You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, welcome back to the DNB Supply Show, everybody. Glad to have you back again for this episode. Well, as a continuation of our last episode, we are now going to be speaking again about heating our homes at this time of year. And today we're talking all about wood burning stoves, wood burning fireplaces, the amount of heat you can get, how to do it safely, how to do it the most efficiently. Love this time of year when it comes to sitting in front of that nice warm fire. We hope that you do too, and we hope that you will enjoy this episode of the DNB Supply Show. Well, hello, everybody. Well, joining me again today is Monty Weaver, and he's a hearth technician with DNB Supply. And I decided to have him back and talk about wood burning stoves and fireplaces as well. Uh, the episode we did on pellet stoves was so compelling and and such good information. You know, we didn't want to leave anybody out in this discussion of different ways of heating in your home. And people have lots of questions, and so I thought, well, what a great resource. Let's tap into Monty's expertise for another episode to talk about all this. So, Monty, welcome back. Thank you very much for doing this again. Thanks. Glad to be here. So, today we're going to talk about fireplaces and wood stoves. So, basically, everything we can use to burn wood to heat our home. And a lot of people like to do that for different reasons. I thought I'd start off by asking you, what are the benefits? What When you talk to people and they say, no, I don't want a pellet stove, I want a wood burner, what is it they're after with a wood burner? Why do they prefer that? Um, wood burning is uh, a nice heat. There is actually some healing properties that are in it. When I did work for the manufacturing company, we were chasing it. We never did quite get it. But uh, yeah, the, the wood burning stuff, though, is, is very nice. It's very uh, feel-good type feeling when you walk into it and then the ambiance that you see with the fire on most of the new stoves they have the glass doors Mm -hmm. so that's where a lot of people are looking at and then of course the cost savings compared to buying pellets quite often many people have a a free way of getting wood or they're paying a little bit less for the wood so that's where they're headed Mm -hmm. and then of course the power outages Uh, a lot of people are talking about power outages and yes uh, your blower won't work on a wood stove but you definitely can run it and get some heat out of it and keep your house warm. And so when it comes to a pellet stove, we're talking about, is it 100% convective heat versus radiant heat? Or is there some radiant heat that you get out of a pellet stove? You're going to get quite a bit of radiant heat, especially out of the front, because most of them have glass. Okay. Uh, So you're going to get some radiant heat definitely there, but the rest of it is uh, convection mostly. Uh, Wood stove, if it's a freestanding, you're going to have radiant heat from that kind of throughout for instance, one of the quadrifiers that's built uh, without even a blower on it, it's mm-hmm. moving roughly 100 CFM of air around the unit. Okay. So you don't have to have a blower, for say, and you're still getting a lot of heat uh, out of it that's transferring up past the, the out, outer portion of the fireplace. Some of the units are neat, too, because you got a power outage. You can cook on them. Sure. So that makes a very, uh, very interesting unit to be able to do that uh, when you don't have power. You're living out in the, the woods a little bit further. The reason I was asking about that as compared to pellet stoves is with a wood-burning stove, if there's no blower, you're still going to be able to heat just solely on radiant heat. Correct. Yep. Airflow past the stove, uh, radiant. You're definitely going to be able to heat. And I had one in one of my houses uh, when I lived in Washington State, and I never put a blower on it or anything, but it was radiant heat. And then, of course, then uh, I had my furnace that I would run part of the time to circulate the heat throughout the the home. Now, when I'm saying fireplaces, I want to make sure that we've got a clear picture of what we're talking about here. When I was a kid, we had a fireplace in our home, but all we had across the front of it 
was this big like metal screen that you could drag in front of it just to keep embers from getting out onto the carpet when the wood popped. When we're talking about fireplaces today, are we talking about open fireplaces like that, or are we talking about something different? The ones that we're selling at DMB are a closed face. Uh, they work similar or very close to a, a wood stove. And so it's a built-in unit. It's got the can around it, so it's all safe, but it does have a closure on the door. There is a screen you can put on them and actually burn them with the doors open, but you're not going to get your performance out of it. But mm-hmm. they are a built-in closed fireplace, not like the old traditional stuff. Most of those are very inefficient, and uh, the grams and, and such in them are very, very bad. And I, uh, I know that quite often most cities won't allow you to burn those if that is not your primary heat. Okay. And when you say the grams, what do you mean? Uh, it's particulate in the air that you're putting pollution into the uh, the surrounding air. Okay. And so that's one of the focuses that the hearth companies throughout the United States has worked on very, very well is to try to bring the grams down so it's less particulate going in the air per pound of wood. And so by doing that, it's cleaned up the air, the breathing, so people that have lung problems, we don't have to breathe it. And it, uh, it just makes the whole atmosphere much better. Well, when we're talking here about fireplaces versus wood stoves, let's start off with BTUs or the British Thermal Unit. So which can give you more heat, more BTUs, a fireplace or a wood stove? Actually, they can do the same because how they're rated. Uh, You end up taking each one of the the EPA standard uh, testings and you have a certain size firebox. So it's going to tell you if you use two by fours, two by uh, four by fours and such to make that test. So you got to look at the size of fireplace and it's still all done in the same type of testing. Very good. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take our first commercial break. And then when we come back, you mentioned something about healing properties. I want to know more about that. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at D&B Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop on by your favorite D&B Supply. Your puppy needs the very best to grow up big and strong. That's why D&B stocks science diet puppy food for standard and large breed pups. Science Diet's got all the nutrition essential to keeping their little tails wagging and their teeth sharp while supporting their immune systems and controlling growth. And with the highest purity and quality standards, Science Diet gives you nothing but the good stuff. Choose Science Diet Puppy Blend for maximum puppy licks. Available at your favorite D&B supply. All right, Monty. Well, you had mentioned earlier that burning wood had some healing properties to it. What is, what's the research say about that? When I did work for the manufacturing plant uh, and we did R&D for them, we were chasing a little bit, trying to figure out how to capture it, but there is some healing properties. And then, of course, the good feel stuff that goes on when you're standing next to a fireplace. So, yeah, we did chase it a little bit. We never could get our finger on how to get it out of the stove, but uh, many people have had different ailments that would stand in front of it. They, they were finding they were getting a, a performance in heat, or maybe I shouldn't say heat, but uh, feeling better out of it, and certain issues would go away. So can't answer how to get it, but uh, it's huh. definitely in there. So. I'd never heard that, but, you know, it's interesting. For thousands of years, humans have sat around looking at fire <laughs> and feeling fire. Who knows? Yep. Very interesting. Well, so the benefits of burning wood, you know, obviously it's cheaper than buying pellets. You can do it without electricity. But when it comes to the way that heat feels, why does it feel different? 
I'm not totally sure why it feels different. I think it's the amount of heat that you're getting off the wood compared to like a pellet stove. I've got stoves that I can see somewhere in the neighborhood of the 700 degree coming out of it. And then I've seen wood stoves and uh, the the dimension I got off the top for heat was somewhere around 900 to 1000 degrees off the top of the door. So I don't know if there's that difference or what it is, but there's definitely a, a good feel anyways. You get standing next to a wood stove, feel more comfortable and you feel more at home. Now, when it comes to whether or not you can put one in your home, I'm picturing two different types of homes. Uh, there's homes that people build themselves, and they, if they're doing that, they probably pretty much know what they want to heat with going in. And so they'll build an area for a wood-burning stove or for a fireplace or something like that. But if there's somebody out there who's in maybe a subdivision, and their home has come with maybe a gas fireplace that's built into the wall and it's, it's vented right out. Is that going to be an appropriate place where they can actually install a wood burner if they wanted to do that or would they have to do a big retrofit? Something like that's probably going to definitely going to be a big retrofit. Uh, you can't take a gas unit and put a wood burner or ins- insert or anything like that in it without doing a retro. Your pellet would be your best bet there to save you some dollars unless you want to completely rebuild your room. So, Monty, when it comes to putting in a wood burner somewhere in your house, how do you know where the right location or the right room to put it in? I mean, obviously, people are probably going to want it in the living room or the family room, but how is there a way to select one or the other? It can. Uh, what am I trying to get out of the stove and how, how hard am I going to run it? Quite often, most people want it to where they can see it. Or then the other choice is what's convenient getting the wood in and out. So that's some of the stuff I look at. And then, of course, how the venting is going to be. That's going to kind of determine a little bit how well we can put it in or how easy and simple it is. Some of these houses that have like the split roofs can mm-hmm. be a little bit challenging because of the airflow past the cap. You have to have that distance, uh, the 312, or not the 312, but the, the 310 okay. dimension off the cap. And so by doing that, you have to look at where the cap's going to come out of the roof and get it to work out so that we don't have any fires and, and get the right airflow past the cap. Okay, so what does that 310 mean? Uh, you got to have three foot up and 10 foot away from a combustible, like okay. around your roof and different areas like that. Okay, so if you've got a really steeply pitched roof, that's a bigger challenge for that 310 than one that's more moderately pitched. Uh, correct, yeah, because you've got to go up higher in order to get away from it, or you have to move the stove somehow, some way in the house to get it so it doesn't penetrate you know, so high out of the, uh, the roof line. Now, I, I've heard this said a, a bunch of times, but... When you're trying to do a wood burner, people talk about the draw, the draw on the chimney. What is that and how do you improve that? How does that impact your fire? Your draw is uh, how it draws the air through your wood stove. And it's all done by heat, of course, and the height of your chimney. So when you're you're getting your temperature up, it'll draw faster. And so that's when you shut it down. But uh, the draw is, it's going to tell you too on your vent height that you need. There's a certain minimum that you need for most stoves they are going to tell you suggested this for a certain height. So they've gone at the, uh, at the factories when they've done the certifications, they figured out what that minimum and maximum vent should be. And so that's what they're trying to fall within to make it perform as it was designed. And now if the design of your house is such or the area you want to put the wood burning stove in is such that you're going to require some sort of a curve in your chimney pipe, maybe a 90 to go through a wall and up and out, or something like that, does that negatively impact the performance of the stove? It definitely can, yes. Uh, And so many people will try to go through the wall and up. uh, And then if you have that going on, normally you have an outside chase. So the temperature is going to change. And anytime you have a lower temperature flue, you're going to have a slower drafting unit. So that's the big trick is how can I insulate it? How can I keep it on the warmer side so that it actually performs well for you? 
And then on some freestanding wood burning stoves, you see this this part in the in the stovepipe going up that almost looks like a honeycomb. Do you know what I'm describing here? It's got little tubes in it, and the the hot air is flowing past that. What is that? I can't remember the the name of them, but I've never had very good luck with them. And with all the stoves that I've dealt with in the last 25 years, uh, that's something that we don't really recommend or quadrifier in them that I worked for for so many years, Mm -hmm. didn't recommend. So I've never actually played with them uh, much more than see them. Uh, I just know that they creosote up very easily and, and they do perform. You know, a lot of people put them on barrel stoves and such, but the units that we have over there, I've never had one on one and I've never seen it perform. All right. Well, we've been focusing on wood-burning stoves for the most part right now, and we'll come back to fireplaces here in a second. But when you're selecting a wood-burning stove, how do you pick the size of the firebox that you want? You're going to be looking at what am I going to try to heat in the house, similar to a pellet stove. You know, there's a, it's designated to heat a certain square footage. Mm-hmm. So you're going to look at that, and then you're going to look at uh, the type of home you have too. Like I said, old, older homes to newer homes, and how much heat do I need? So, yeah, you look at your square footage, and as I've always suggested to people, can I afford the one that's just one step larger? Okay. If I can, I would consider doing that because now I can run it at uh, half to three-quarter speed compared to full speed all the time, and it's going to last me longer. It's going to have less wear and tear on that unit. Very good. Well, let's take another commercial break, and then when we come back, I want to talk about fireplaces just a little bit. D&B knows that life in the West is defined by hard work, innovation, and constant improvement. These values made the West what it is today, and these are the values that have made Wrangler the defining Western brand since 1947. Wrangler apparel is designed to feel good in the saddle look sharp at the rodeo and work hard on the ranch that's why wrangler fits with classic western heritage like a boot in a stirrup for clothing that's a good value and steeped in western values stock up on wrangler at your favorite dnb supply know what looks good with a cowboy hat panhandle western apparel and rock and roll denim available at dnb supply over 70 years ago, Panhandle started putting snaps on their popular gambler-style shirt and soon became a runaway hit with cowboys and cowgirls everywhere. In the 21st century, they formed rock and roll denim, too, with fashion-forward looks and high-class jeans that fit any style. With designs both classic and fresh, get decked out for life in the West with Panhandle shirts and rock and roll denim at Hi, Monty, so a follow-up question on, on wood burners, and I promise we'll get to fireplaces here in a second. But the door. So most doors you see have glass because people want to see the fire. Some don't. Is there any benefit to not having the glass? Is there more radiant heat or something like that if you don't have the glass? Actually, that I've never seen one that uh, would not do any difference as far as radiant heat. Uh, but the, the one thing that the glass does is it, it does, I think, push a little more heat out. And you can see kind of what your fire is doing. And it's easier to kind of maintain that whole fire. But yes, you got to clean it if you want to be able to see through it. So that's one of the disadvantages of it. All right. Well, let's shift gears really quick to fireplaces. So the fireplace that you were describing, one of the ones that you work with that gets sold at DNB Supply, you said can produce up to 90,000 BTUs. Did I have that right? Yeah, that's what the doors open. We When we did some testing in R&D, it was capable of, it's called a 7100, mm-hmm. and it's actually a built-in fireplace with the safety can that has to go around it, and it has the same performancing as a wood stove does. But you can actually build it in, do a rock work around it, tile work around mm-hmm. it, whatever, and make it operate. And it will actually heat a very large house, if I remember right, somewhere around the 3,000 square foot or above. And that was with the doors open or doors closed? Doors closed. Oh, the doors closed. Correct. Interesting. So what has happened with, I mean, in my mind, I've always thought of fireplaces as nice and they provide some heat when you're right there in front of them. But then later in the night, 
they go out and all that heat goes right up the flue and then it cools your house. I, they've never been described as being very efficient, but this to me is, is unreal. So what technology has gone into fireplaces now that we can get this much heat out of them? The design. A lot of the companies have decided that, and the government chasing them a little bit, uh, has decided that open-face fireplaces are bad for the environment. And so there's been a, a work going on for the last few years, anyways, to reduce or stop building some of those. So by doing that, anyways, uh, HHT has spent the time and money to develop a great fireplace, a couple of different models, and it's like a wood stove that's built in. So we're going to get our benefit. We got control of it, and so then we can load the stove up at night, go to bed, and, and still wake up in the morning with a fire or still getting some heat out of it. The open face, all it's doing is uh, if you have a lot of wood in it, it's going to put some radiant heat out into your room. Mm-hmm. But once it goes down, it's going to either go out, it's going to smoke into your house, and or it'll take all the cold, or the warm air back out of the chimney because it's like a big vent going out the top of your roof. Right. Now, these new fireplaces that are so efficient and they're providing so much heat, are they working with blowers as well? Not as far as the burning portion of it, but they do have blowers on or built within them that will move the air, the room air, underneath and over the top and back out into your room. Well, if you've got that, well, what do you do if you've got a fireplace that can provide that much heat and you're in this room where it's located, but you want to heat the whole house? How do you distribute that air efficiently so you're not sweating in the room where the fireplace <laughs> is located? but then freezing in the backside of the house. How do you move that air around? Having your fan on the sun remote is one way of doing it. Having ceiling fans working. The other one is is uh, the 7100 has what they call heat zones. And so there's two heat zones that you can put out. Uh, it should be like at 40 feet max, but it has a blower at the end, and you can draw heat off the top of your stove or alongside of the firebox on the outer portion of the firebox. And it will actually draw air off there and push it into another zone in the home. So you can help distribute that, and as you heat that, it will bring air back to the fireplace, so it's starting to circulate the whole air throughout the whole home. Now, when we talked about, in our last episode we did together, we talked about pellet stoves, we talked about cleaning, we talked about maintenance and all of that. That was a really important part of running a trouble-free pellet stove and enjoying its use. When it comes to wood-burning stoves and fireplaces, how much cleaning and maintenance is required? Some of that is going to depend on your wood as far as cleaning the inner part of the stove kind of somewhat weekly or or thereabouts, your different woods are going to leave different amounts of ash. So keeping that cleaned out some so it doesn't make a mess in your home and it makes it so you get the uh, volume of of wood back into it because as you build your wood or your ash up, then it's going to take away the volume. Then having somebody come out and clean it or clean it yourself uh, once or twice a year, giving it a sweeping and then of course doing the chimney. Uh, You always want to sweep that roughly at minimum once a year. The other thing about keeping it clean and and helping your maintenance is your wood quality and moisture content. So you want to take a look at that and find out where you're going to get your wood. And if you're getting it yourself, let it dry for at least a year. You'll end up with a lot better performance out of the stove and you don't have to clean quite so hard. Now, you mentioned one to two times per year doing a sweeping and that was separate from having the chimney swept. So what did you mean by that? Uh, I guess I'm not sure your question for sure, but the chimney itself, once a year at minimum. Okay. And then when I say sweeping, uh, I would open up the door, have the fire out, and I would sweep around the top of the fireplace and alongside of it just to kind of clean it up. Okay. There's, uh, you're going to see quite often, depending on how you're burning it, but uh, you'll see a, a fuzzy black ash or mm-hmm. soot. And so I like to keep that cleaned up a little bit and keep it burned up, and it'll just perform a lot better. You're going to get your transfer of heat through the unit a little bit faster that way. And then when it comes to the ash 
that's deposited by the, the burning wood, is ash in your fireplace or in your wood-burning stove, is that going to rob you of heat? Is it going to make it less efficient as that ash builds up? Not actually on the bottom. Like I said, ash is a, a uh, insulator. And so as you burn it, you get the ash on the floor, it's going to have less transfer down below. The big thing that the, with the ash, though, is if you get too much, then you can't get the, the amount of wood in it, so you're not, then you're not going to get the burn times that you're looking for or the amount of fire. Okay. So really what it's doing is just reducing your capacity. Correct. Okay. Well, let's take another commercial break. When we come back, I want to keep talking about this. Love this topic. Travel back in time for an immersive and inspiring lesson in science, technology, engineering, and history at the Warhawk Air Museum in Nampa, Idaho. At the Warhawk, you and your family will find some of the most iconic classic planes found anywhere in the West and learn how American aviation technology evolved from propellers to jet engines. And while you're there, you'll come to know the personal stories of the veterans whose commitment and sacrifice helped make our nation what it is today. For passes and more information about visiting the Warhawk Museum, go to warhawkairmuseum.org. A well-worn pair of Danner boots has become a hallmark for hard-working and hard-playing people in the West and everywhere else for that matter. Matter. Find your next pair of long-lasting, great-looking, made-in-the-USA Danner boots at D&B Supply. Hold a Danner boot in your hand, and you'll notice the handcrafted precision. Try it on, and you'll feel the difference. Test it against the elements, and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last. From classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion-forward looks to fit your daily life, stop on by D&B Supply to try Danner boots on for size. Okay, Monty. Well, I have a couple more questions, and this one just dawned on me, but I'm thinking back to the construction of a wood-burning stove, and on, on the insides, on the on the walls, uh, there's brick. There's some form of brick in there. What is the purpose of that, and what's that made of? Uh, your brick is making that insulation that I'm talking about. Okay. The brick is a R factor, or I should say K factor, on and pushing your air so it doesn't transfer the heat out. It keeps it within. And it makes it an easier zone to clean, and so that's what they ended up putting the different bricks in. Some units uh, have a what they call a pumice brick, and some have clay. And so anytime that you have a, a pumice, you can add heavier bricks in, but you can't go lighter because there is a that K-factor, that R-K-factor that they're doing for heat transfer. Mm-hmm. And so you can't lighten them, but you can make it heavier. So you've got to at least have that minimum weight, but you can go up from that if you Correct. want. Okay. When it comes to, and this is something my dad would always brag about in my house I grew up in because he built the house, that he built it so tight that you had to crack a window to actually burn a fire in the fireplace. Is that true? Is that something that we run into where a house could be so tight there's not enough air? Yes. uh, That's where it comes to the outside air that you normally have to put on. Yeah, there's a lot of houses out there that you have to crack a window. We get negative pressures, downdrafts going on when you're trying to light the fire. And even sometimes after you've got it running, uh, it's such a negative pressure in the house trying to get it to operate. When you go to load the wood after it's burnt down some, mm-hmm. you get a lot of fire coming out or you get smoke into your room. And that's a negative pressure in your house that you've got to try to overcome. So quite often, some people will open a window next to their stove before they load it. But the best way is to add outside air from outside to, to your unit. Oh, so you're talking about something permanently built into the unit that's allowing air from the outside to come in? Correct, yes. It's uh, what they call the oak or the outside air kit. And so it has, depending on your unit, but most of the time, like on the quadrifiers and and such, it's a four-inch piece of uh, flex pipe that comes in from outside in some manner from the outside, not under a crawl space or anything, but outside. Mm -hmm. So you attach that to your stove, and that's going to give you your combustion air to try to stop or alleviate most of that. 
Now, what about the diameter of the flue going up? Is that going to make a difference in the performance? Is one better than the other? Your unit is going to be certified with a particular size. So if your unit has a 6-inch vent on it, I would suggest always trying to stay as best you can with a 6-inch. Uh, but there is times when you can change it some. But uh, with the knowledge I've had, I've we've tried to do like from a 6 to an 8 right off the top of the stove, but it will not perform properly. You need to get the velocity of the, of the air flowing through the stove. You still have the volume, but you don't have the velocity, and that's what some stoves take. If it's an 8-inch, uh, you know, off the top of the stove, you cannot go smaller. So you cannot reduce that down? Correct. Okay. Now, when somebody's looking at a, at a room and they're saying, I want to put a wood-burning stove in here, I want to install a fireplace, what are some of the other things they're going to have to do? Like, for example, there's going to have to be something that's non-combustible underneath the wood-burning stove and, and for a certain distance, both behind it to the sides and out front, right? It depends on your stove, but yes, you're going to have to have a, uh, a hearth pad that's made for wood. Some of them are, are, I should say, not just for wood, but there's a class A or class 1 and class 2 type of uh, hearth pad. So you need to find out what the stove recommends or needs for certification. Uh, some of them you have to have that microfiber that's on the bottom to keep the heat from transferring through. And so some of them don't. So you need to read the manual. That'll tell you what you need. And then on the back side, quite often most of the stoves we sell, they aren't required to have a back cover mm -hmm. uh, if you follow the recommended dimension for combustibles. Uh, your pipe is what's going to determine that and the size of the stove. It'll tell you that the stove can set this many inches off the wall if you use this pipe, which is a single wall, or if you use this pipe, a double wall. And does the material that your actual, your physical wall is made of make a difference? Like say if it's wood versus sheetrock? Sheetrock is a combustible. Okay. So it doesn't make any difference. That's still a combustible. Uh, uh, so many people think that sheetrock's okay to, you know, it's not a combustible, but it is. Paper is on the outside. It will burn. So that's one of the things to, to take in consideration. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you follow your stove manual, mm -hmm. uh, it's going to tell you the dimensions depending on your pipe. And then you set it up at that, you should be good to go. And then when it comes to if somebody's looking at or trying to choose between, say, a pellet stove and a wood-burning stove, the pipe is a big difference too, right? The pipe that you need for a wood-burning stove, do you need something like a double wall or a triple wall or something like that for while you're inside the home? Yeah, you can do a single wall or a double wall inside the house. And then when you're getting close to the ceiling going out, it's going to turn into a, what they call class A. And that's quite a bit more expensive. Mm -hmm. So you have to take in consideration what costs it's going to go into that single or double story or however you're going to have to put it. So yeah, it'll definitely increase dramatically. Uh, you know, from a few hundred bucks up to into the thousands, depending on what type of uh, venting that you're going with. All right. Well, one more commercial break, and then let's come back and let's talk about the different types of wood we can use and how that impacts performance. Okay. Trekking to the mountains this fall and winter or got work to do in the cooler temps? D&B's got you covered with cool outdoor apparel. Cool's cold weather gear was designed for life in the mountains, so it delivers peak performance and maximum movement without packing on the pounds. And cool, soft, and breathable fabrics wick away moisture, control odor, and protect you from the harsh elements. Cool apparel, born in the mountains. Available at your favorite D&B supply. 
As the weather turns foul, it's time to tend to your flock. And that means taking care of your chicken's nutritional needs with NatureWise Feather Fixer. NatureWise Feather Fixer feeds your fowl the protein and energy they need to molt quicker and regrow feathers faster. It's also packed with trace minerals for stronger shells, pre- and probiotics that support digestion, and nutrients your chickens will miss when your grass isn't so green. NatureWise Feather Fixer Pelleted Poultry Feed. Available at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Monty. Well, let's talk about wood for a second. So here we are. Our listeners are in eastern Oregon and here in southwestern Idaho. So with the wood that's available to us in our region, what do you recommend? Fern larch, if I can get it. That's what I like. Uh, seems to work very well. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there using some hardwoods. Uh, I think there's a few pieces of oak and different things like that around. But the big thing is is the moisture content, making sure it's been seasoned properly. Uh, you know, you want to get it cut into the dimensions that you can handle well and then uh, get that dried out. When I say drying out, too, is a lot of people will cut it, put it outside, but they won't put a cover of some sort over it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to cover the sides, but you definitely want to keep the rain and the snow and such off the top of your wood. Let it air dry for one season and uh, get it into that moisture content. Somewhere as a neighborhood of uh, that 17 to 21 is what I found works the best for most stoves. And so when you say let it dry for one season... If we were cutting firewood today, you this would be wood that we'd be using next year at this time. Correct. Yep. So, uh, yeah, you kind of look at when you do cut it. But, yeah, figure one full year. And then, of course, keep your moisture content in that uh, that range that I'm suggesting at 17 to 21%. How would somebody go about figuring out if their wood has reached the proper moisture content? You're going to see it somewhat when you're burning it. Sometimes you'll have a lot of water bubbling out the end. That's way too wet. Otherwise, you can go down and uh, usually find a, uh, like at some of the stove shops, they do have a moisture meter. It's kind of a guess, but it's going to get you close so you can stab into the end of the grain Mm -hmm. and get a a rough idea what kind of moisture you're looking at for, for your wood. And so the moisture content, that's impacting the efficiency with which your fire is burning. That's going to impact the efficiencies and it's going to impact how often you clean and how well you, what kind of heat you get out of your stove. So many people will buy wood from a vendor of some sort and they say Mm -hmm. it's great wood, which it is, but next year would be the best. Uh, So they're burning it. uh, It's not burning hot. It's burning very sluggish and slow. So you're not getting the performance that the stove is designed to run. And so that's some of the downfalls of not knowing your wood. And then if you build up creosote faster, and I'm assuming that with wet wood, you will. Am I right about that? Correct. Yep. You'll build creosote up. It'll start plugging up the venting, especially up on top, close to the cap. And when you do that, then you're going to get a slower draw on it. So we're back to that draw. Okay. you got to get the air through the stove in order to make it perform. So that is uh, one of your disadvantages of having wet wood. And then does that enhance uh, the potential for a chimney fire or something like that? Big time, yeah. It doesn't take very long to get a chimney fire if you're not burning it hot enough. And that was part of the, the whole operation of your installation and reading the manual. It suggests to burn it out for half an hour or 45 minutes in a, every day, once a day, on a regular wood stove or wood fireplace. Uh, what that does is it helps bring the temperature up where it belongs. It gets uh, rid of the, some of the creosote, and it will just make your stove operate so much better. Well, Monty, I really appreciate it. After we did the pellet stove episode, I definitely wanted to talk about wood burners, both wood burning stoves and, and fireplaces. And thank you very much for coming back and doing this today. Okay, thanks, man. And uh, we'll maybe talk again. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the D&B Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.